Well, you know the Spirit is moving today. Uh, and everyone here has basically preached my sermon for me, made the job real easy on me. Thank you so much. Uh, it really, That's really awesome. I love that. Uh, I'm going to give us a good old-fashioned Palm Sunday message, but it will be like a Palm Sunday message you've never heard before. Uh, and at the very end of it, we're going to do some apologetics uh, for why it's not natural, well, first, not biblical, but not natural to identify yourself by your sin. So we'll get there, uh, but get your Bible primed to Luke 19 first. And there's a few people missing today, uh, but I'll, so be sure to share the at least the last part of this message with folks. Uh, but what I want to say uh, before I get into this is, Based on studies and statistics, there's a good chance that there's somebody in here right now who struggles with same-sex attraction or at least knows and is related to some or related to somebody who struggles with same-sex attraction. And the intention of what I'm, I'm saying this morning is not to condemn or to shame anyone, uh, but simply to present life. Simply to present life. Uh, so I'm going to try to smile a lot while I, while I give you this message. Uh, and I'm going to go slow, uh, but it's important. It really is important that we talk about these things in church because when we don't, we leave a vacuum in the world. Amen. So get your Bible primed to, to Palm Sunday. And before we get to that, uh, everybody realizes what Palm Sunday is. Amen. Very important date in the liturgical calendar. This is the Sunday before Easter or Resurrection Sunday when Jesus is making his triumphant entry into Jerusalem to fully embrace the will of Father God's desire for his life that he would give himself to be crucified so that we all could then have life eternal in him as we then crucify ourselves to say yes to his life. See, Jesus didn't just die for us. He died for us so then we would be empowered to die to ourselves and grab onto his life. Amen. Okay, so on Palm Sunday, as Jesus was making his entrance in, it just so happened, and it wasn't coincidence, it was all ordained by the Father, that it was Passover in Jerusalem. So because of Passover, there was what we would call religious tourists who had made their way to the city to celebrate during the feast this Passover season. Now, it's important to realize that these were religious tourists because most of these good Jewish boys and girls were only participating in Passover because that's what mom and dad would want them to do. It's just good tradition to show up on church Easter Sunday. <laughs> it's just good tradition to, to say you're a Christian or say you're a, a Jew. It's, it's just the right thing to do. These people didn't really know who God was. They were just showing up because that's what they knew to do. And so these people who had showed up in Jerusalem had heard tale of Jesus and the things that he was doing in the cities and the villages and in the nations around them. And they were excited, not for who he was, but what they may be able to get from him. And that's just the simple truth of it. Not to condemn anybody in, in history or, or to say that they had uh, missed the mark. Many ways we show up to church not because of who he is simply, but because of what we can get from it. 
But they show up and they begin to throw their cloaks on the ground as he's making his way uh, into Jerusalem, riding on a colt donkey. And they're waving palm branches and they're saying, Hosanna, praise be to the one who comes in the name of the Most High. Hosanna. Say Hosanna. It's officially Palm Sunday now. We were too late. I wanted to order. Did anybody grow up folding their little palm leaves into a cross? Anybody do that? I wanted to order those, but we didn't get to it. But it is Palm Sunday. This is, this is one of the, the, the elementary facts that all of creation, whether they know it or not, is designed to worship God. And that's proven in the text that these people who do not know God come to worship God despite their lack of knowledge who he is. They, they assemble to worship him because that's what people are made to do. That's what people are made to do. And when we come to church, when, the, when not us in particular, but us and the Western church only participates in church as a, as a religious tourist just showing up to check the box to do the thing that we know we're supposed to do. When we don't come to church to encounter Jesus through word, through worship, through fellowship, when we don't present ourselves to see who he is, we, we create a vacuum in culture that defines to people what, what or who they should be worshiping. See, this is the problem in culture. You, we see all these crises on TVs and we're so, on TV and we're so quick to point the finger, but how many of you know that the crisis is not the root of the problem? It's not. In fact, at the point of crisis, it's already too late, isn't it? The root of the problem is a cold, loveless, and lifeless church. The root of the problem is a dead works religious church that won't, be, that won't enter in to who Jesus is and then reveal that revelation of his glory to the earth around them. See, Jesus said, you are a light on a hill. That means it's the church's responsibility to step into the dark places of culture, reveal his glory, and direct people to their purpose, identity, and why they were created. So when we get, look, I've got five kids, and they're in, in public school. It's, it's been a rough week for me emotionally. And my, my flesh nature wants to get angry at the perpetrator, Right? Like, if I would have been there, this is what I would have, like, I'm some tough guy sort of thing. And I'm sure all the other dads in the, in the room probably felt the same way. But I have to be willing to take responsibility where responsibility is due. Amen? When we show up to church as religious tourists... When we show up to church, not to see the risen Jesus, not to give our hearts away and to lay our lives down. When we show up to do the religious dance that we've been taught in our culture, we leave a vacuum for the world to define who people are and who they're supposed to be worshiping. I repent. I repent. I repent. This week, you know, that they had the, the LG... I'm, I'm really, this is going to be a rough message. I just want to apologize to you and uh, tell you I love you over and over again. But this is just the truth. This week they had the LGBTQ uh, Day of Vengeance. Did anybody see that? Isn't that nuts? Isn't that nuts? Do you know what that made me feel inside? 
yeah, anger, anger. And, it's, and I should, right? You should be angry. Righteous anger is a good thing, but it has to have a purpose beyond yourself, right? And, and here's the other thing that we have to remember. We're not actually fighting against flesh and blood, are we? No. But you're giving flesh and blood permission to release demonic forces on the earth when you won't get out of your cold church seat, go into the world, and declare the goodness of God in dark places. I'm as liable as anybody else when I show up to church to play the religious game, but I don't go out into the world consumed with the fire of Jesus. So if I want to be angry, the first person I need to be angry at is myself. It's myself. Lord, I repent Would you burn out this complacent spirit in me, this lazy spirit in me that doesn't want to go out and tell the truth to people who need to hear it? Burn it out. Burn it out. Burn it out, Lord. I don't care about being canceled or all all that stupid. Like, who cares? Who cares? How many children do I need to get, see get shot on national television before I take the cross of Jesus seriously enough to go preach the gospel to people who have never heard his name before? Man, that's just the truth. How many times do I have to watch it on nightly news? Somebody bursts into a school, somebody bursts into a mall before I decide I'm sick of being a lukewarm Christian. I'm sick of not taking this gospel seriously. I'm sick of not walking in the authority that he's promised me on the cross of Calvary. Amen. All right, let's do the Palm Sunday scripture now. (laughs) I love you. Luke 19. (laughs) Luke 19. You can hear a pin drop. Jesus went on toward Jerusalem. This is verse 28. My apologies. Luke 19, verse 28. Jesus went on toward Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples. As he came to the towns of Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead of him. Go into that village over there, he told them. As you enter it, you will see a donkey, a young donkey, tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say the Lord needs it. So they went and they found the colt, just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners answered them, why are you untying that colt? And the disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. So they brought the colt to Jesus, threw their garments over it for him to ride on. As he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. When he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heavens. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. He replied, Jesus, he replied, if they kept quiet, the stones along the roads would burst into cheers. Thank you, Jesus. I I really love that that part of the Palm Sunday story. Jesus, full of, of resolute faith, being obedient to the Father, sees the end of the road, and he's making his way into Jerusalem. And all the religious tourists are there, and they're throwing their coats down, and they're waving their palm branches. And he's, he sees what's about to happen, 
And he says to his disciples, go into that village over there. Go into that village over there and find the colt that's tied up. Untie it and bring it to me. First thing we need to see in the story is that Jesus is the leader. Amen. Not a pastor. Not a charismatic personality. Not a, a mega church. Not a house church. Jesus is the leader. Not your desires. Not the way you feel. Not, not what you think your situation is. Jesus is the leader. What does that mean? That means you need to be in relationship with him where you're following him. And you're asking him, Lord, what do you desire of me? What are you asking of my life? What do you need for me to let go of? What do you need for me to grab onto? How do you want to refine who I am so that I may better follow who you are? Western church, we want to be the leader, don't we? We want to tell God what he should be doing. How we see things and how they should work out according to what we want. Folks, Jesus is the leader. Then he sends his disciples out. He says, go into that town, untie the colt. bring it. I love that because he basically tells them to go steal a, a young donkey. <laughs> and you Think about how that may have looked, that conversation, right? As they go down there and the guy's like, hey, what are you doing? The master needs it. He's like, oh, okay, you take the donkey. <laughs> it says in the text that it's a young Colt donkey. So what do you think that donkey would have been like? It's never been ridden before. It's young. It's a colt. What do you think that donkey's characteristics are? Wild, rebellious, untamed, unruly, aggressive. So can you imagine these disciples trying to lead this donkey down the street back to Jesus after they just untied it from its master? To bring over to Jesus. It probably looked pretty strange. How many of you have ever tried to, to walk an untrained dairy cow by lead? It's incredibly hard. Stubborn animals. How many of you have ever tried to walk a trained donkey by lead? They got one veterinarian in the back. It's not easy, is it? No. Donkeys are stubborn, rebellious animals. So you can imagine the disciples pulling and yanking and smacking and hitting as they're pushing this donkey into its destiny and its purpose. Right? And, you know, it's kind of a strange story. I don't really know, like, the, the, the meaning of the donkey and, you know, everything, all the elements that go into that. But I felt like this was a prophetic message for today. There is a rebellious, unruly, angry, chaotic, undisciplined, untrained generation that's tied up. That's tied up by the strong man that the Lord needs his disciples to go out and untie, to bring back to him so that they can have their purpose revealed to them. See, and that's hard work because they don't want to be led. They don't want to be broken, so quote unquote. We're not actually breaking anybody. They don't want to be led to life. They want to do things their way. See, the problem is, is they're doing it that way because there's a vacuum. There's not a community of believers who have gone into the darkness to show them what life has looked like and what they're created for. So now, after the fact, we need to go into the darkness, find the, the cult, find the, the, the next generation that is rebellious, unruly, angry, confused, untie them. And begin the process of leading them into the purpose that will reveal God's glory on the earth. 
It's not enough to be angry. It's not enough to be, man, I just can't believe this is what the world looks like today. I just can't, I, I can't take it that young people are so outside the box of what's normal. It's not enough to be mad. You need to go. You need to be a mother and a father. You need to engage and, and be willing to give your life away. Be willing to be persecuted for the sake of the gospel and boldly untie the colt. Boldly untie the colt. See, when we refuse to do this, we are actually robbing God of our part of the responsibility of revealing his glory on the earth. So what if the disciples like, I don't want to do that. That sounds like hard work. Look at all these people cheering right now. I'd rather be in the parade. I'd rather, you know, be getting the, the glory over here. And the Lord says, no, no, no. There is a purpose for the next generation, but until the generation before enters into their brokenness and unties them from the strong man, we're not going to see it. Not going to see it. Of course, in the text it says that they go up and they, they tell the man, the master needs it. And the man's like, okay. And I believe that's a prophetic picture that when you go in obedience to what God is doing, you can't be stopped. You can't be stopped. You can't be stopped. It says they took their coats and they covered the donkey. Of course, donkeys are just dirty animals in general, right? Yeah, I believe this to be a prophetic picture too. It's not about getting people cleaned up before they come into the church. It's not about making them look presentable. Just go and bring them back. First Peter 4 says it like this, that love covers a multitude of sins. Your first responsibility is to go is to engage, is to, is to give your life away. Your second responsibility is to love people who are in brokenness. It's to, it's, to, it's to say, you know what? You may be struggling this way, but you're invited here still. See, here's, here's the thing I want us to understand. All of us in here today are struggling with something. And if you, if you don't believe that about yourself, you're in denial or you're just a liar. It's just the truth. There's sin in your life that you're struggling with. The point is not that you struggle. The point is that you've not chosen to surrender to it. Amen? The point is not that you, you have a battle to fight. The point is that you've not yet given up in the battle. It's the same with sexual sin. The, the, it's, every person in here carries sexual brokenness from the time they were conceived into this world. Every person in, in here has to fight the battle of sexual brokenness. doesn't matter if it looks like homosexuality or it looks like just luck. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. But you can't give in to that struggle. And if we understand that, then we'll be willing to go out into a, bro, a broken world, overcome by sexual sin, and, and allow them to see what healthy church looks like. You're welcome. We love you regardless of what you're going through. We understand that you're going through a struggle. We don't need you to be any different than you are, any different from what you are today. But we need you to know there's a God in heaven who loves you and can transform you despite what you feel. It's not about what you struggle with. It's about what you surrender to. See, I have to daily make the choice. 
I'm not going to surrender to my flesh. I'm not going to lay down to the struggle. I'm going to get up. I'm going to be a father. I'm going to be a husband. I'm going to be a pastor. I'm going to fight, and I'm going to surrender to Jesus despite what I feel. It's not just sexual sin. It's every sin that humanity has ever faced since the, the, the fall of Adam. It's not about what you struggle, struggle with. It's about who you surrender to. Amen. So Ryan uh, invited me a couple of months ago to talk about what is revival, and he told me he was planning on doing revival at the camp, and I was so excited. I, let's get everybody. Let's go. Let's get all the kids in Overton County to go do this. And then the, the Asbury revival happened. Then the uh, Jesus people film, or, uh, what's Jesus Revolution, excuse me. And, you know, it's a great movie. I liked it a lot. I, I think it left a lot of different elements out, but it was a great movie, and you should go see it. The main, one of the main characters in that film, Lonnie Frisbee. Are you guys familiar? Do I, do I need to go into who? Just raise your hand. So, if, uh, Okay, so Lonnie Frisbee was like one of the main leaders in the 60s of the Jesus People movement. He, um, you know, operated in signs, wonders, and miracles. Uh, powerful but genuine teacher and preacher. Uh, but he had a lot of baggage. He had a lot of junk. When he was eight, I was listening to a, uh, like a documentary podcast about and, uh, one of his friends, John Rutkay, was talking about when he would travel around with Lonnie and talking to Lonnie, having conversations. One of the things he said was that, uh, while they were uh, on a bus traveling to do ministry somewhere, uh, Lonnie began to tell him that he was saved at eight years old uh, in a local church. But almost immediately after being saved, someone in the church sexually abused him. Yeah, so that makes a lot of sense, right? So Lonnie then uh, runs away from the church. He uh, gets into uh, drugs, uh, sexual promiscuity, and rock and roll, right, like a lot of people in the 60s. Uh, until he gets into his 20s where he has a radical encounter with the Holy Spirit. Amen. And then he's transformed, goes back to, uh, I can't remember the name of, of the park, but Pirates Cove in, in California. And revival begins to break out and he's one of the forerunners of that. Right. And uh, John Rutke would say that they would talk about this a lot. And one of the, the things that caused... Uh, Lonnie to run away from the church when he was a young man was that he would try to tell other pastors and leaders about it. And when he would try to talk to them about the abuse that he, he encountered, they would just tell him they didn't want to hear it. They, they would just dismiss him and say, we don't have time for this. We just get over it. We don't want to hear that. And so he ran away from the church. And he got caught up in sexual sin. Of course, the Lord catches him again. He's a part of that revival uh, but he's still got a bunch of baggage. After the revival starts to wane, he goes off back into uh, sexual promiscuity and contracts HIV and ends up dying uh, on hospice because of it. And uh, the pastor, his friend, John Rutke, I'm sorry for if I'm confusing the names, is talking about as they did ministry, he would talk to Lonnie about this issue all the time. And one of the things that Lonnie would constantly bring up is through his whole life, he would try to tell other church leaders about this, and nobody would listen. Nobody would give him any time. This is what I'm talking, this is the vacuum. Do you understand that when we don't engage people 
in their brokenness, when we just try to like brush it under the thing, under the rug and do the church thing and, and, and put on the religious show, that we actually breed sexual immorality. We actually breed destruction in our nation. See, what we need right now are, are disciples who are following Jesus, who are willing to go when he says go and to do what he says and untie who he says to untie and be who they're called to be because there are people who are broken in this world who are looking for community and who are looking for family and the LGBT community has stepped into the vacuum. They've stepped into the vacuum. They just filled the place where the church wouldn't go. Let me just say that again. The LGBT community filled the void that the church would not fill. They did. They provided family. They've they've provided mentorship. They've provided community. They've provided the things that broken people need in order to do life well. So now we need to go untie the colt. Here, this is, I just want to... A couple of years ago, and I won't say where or who this group of teenagers with was, I was with was, but I was with a large group of teenagers, and one of them was very clearly confused about his sexual identity and was uh, public about it. And he stopped me and he looked me dead in the eyes and he said, do you really believe that I'm going to hell because of what I, what I call myself? It's a good question, fair question, right? You should be prepared for those questions as you engage the world. And I looked at, I, you know, I don't, I don't have a handbook with me. Like, this is what you say when people ask you that. But this is what I said to him. I said, you know, that's a hard question, but I don't actually make that decision. But here's the one who does, and this is what he says about it. So that's Jesus in his word, right? So then my question for you is this. Do you want to define your eternity by sexual pleasure? It's true. Do you want to define your eternity by sexual pleasure? How many of you know you were not created for sex? <laughs> sex is a gift. Marriage is a gift, but you were not created for it. So if you have sexual brokenness, it doesn't get to define you, just like I don't define myself as an angry man when I feel angry. Amen? Do you know that 42% of Generation Z has been diagnosed with a, a mental disorder? is confused about their sexual orientation. Half of Gen Z is out of their mind and doesn't have any idea who they're created to be. I mean, I'm just trying to wake you up. I'm just trying to get you to understand the magnitude of the problem. Do you know that in 100 years from now, after you die... If somebody excavated your bones from the grave and ran DNA analysis, it doesn't matter what you cut off of yourself or what you attached on, what testosterone you took, what estrogen you took, it would not matter. Your bones would reveal only one of two things, male or female. Male or female. It doesn't matter what you felt. doesn't matter what you decided about yourself. doesn't matter what people have called you or have done to you. doesn't matter the trauma or the abuse you've endured. You're still one of two things, and you can't change it. What, you, what you're born into is who you are. Somebody in the church needs to be a mother, and somebody in the church needs to be a father. We need to engage people who are 
stuck in sexual brokenness and just plainly tell them you're not gay. You may feel like a woman today, but you're a man. That thing that may have happened to you, may have stripped you of your dignity, made you, may, may have made you feel ashamed of yourself, and although it may have felt good, it doesn't define who you are. It's not the defining point of who you were created to be. We just need to be bold. Just need to be willing to go into places that the enemy has enthroned himself and preach the truth. Okay, let's stand up. I just want to pray over you. It wasn't that bad. First, Lord, we pray for anybody who's trapped in the LGBTQ community. Father, we pray for them right now that they would be set free, that they would be delivered, they would be saved, they would be filled with your power, filled with your grace. Father, would you go and would you send people out to bring people home who are trapped in sexual brokenness right now in Jesus' name. We declare freedom over you right now. Freedom over you. And Father, we repent as the church. We repent for being complacent about this issue. We repent about letting this redefine our culture. We repent. And Father, if there's anybody in here who has endured sexual abuse, we pray healing right now. We pray healing. We pray healing. Pray it over the live stream. Anybody who's in, experienced that, we pray healing. Father, we pray forgiveness. Father, but we just speak it loud and clear. You are not created for sex. Sexual pleasure is not your identity. Father, we bless every person who has been abused in the church, out of the church. doesn't matter. We pray for healing over them right now. Father, we pray that there would be mothers and fathers in the church who would be bold about the truth. That would be bold about the truth. There's a gracious and loving Father in heaven who heals every disease. Who makes every wrong right. Who wipes away every tear. Father, would you send your church to untie the colt? Jesus' name, amen. We're just going to worship for a moment. If you need prayer for anything, just come forward. Actually, just, let's just stay here for a moment. You know, when, when this is going to be rough, but when you're sexually abused, an impure spirit comes on you, whether you know it or not. And it's not because you're impure, but because what was done to you was impure. And it's not to shame anybody, but you need to, you need to be honest about what was done and what's happened so that you can be free. So just right now, if you just keep standing with me, so we just make this as less awkward as possible for anybody who's struggling with this. Every head bowed. Every eye closed. I want to pray for your freedom right now. I'm, I'm not Jesus, and I understand that, and, and I'm not here to, like, judge who's clean, who isn't clean. That's not the thing. I just want you to be free. If you've, every head bow, every eye closed, if you've experienced that, just raise your hand. I'm going to pray for freedom right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, come on. Just keep your heads, heads bowed. Don't look up, please. I'm sorry. As a pastor of this church, I'm sorry for what you've endured. In Jesus' name, 
I cast off any unclean spirit that's been attached to you because of what was done. Right now, I cast it off in Jesus' name. Out in Jesus' name. Be healed. Be free right now. Out in Jesus' name. Out. And Father, in that place where the enemy has taken root, would you come now with the cleansing power of your Holy Spirit? Would you cut that tie of the soul off right now? And would you set free the captive heart, God, right now, in Jesus' name? Right now, in Jesus' name, you're free. As you sleep in the night, their face won't come up in your mind. Your thoughts won't be dominated anymore. You're free right now. Out every unclean spirit associated with that trauma in Jesus' name now. And then again, if, if you've been on the other end of that, I pray the same prayer over you. That you would be healed. That you would be set free. That you would not define yourself by sexual pleasure any longer. But that you would have a, a relationship with the living God. That you would see yourself according to how he sees you. And that you would be bold to witness his truth to all the nations in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need prayer for anything, just come forward now.